0: Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity, and we welcome you into that conversation. We have been spending some time talking about 20 truths of the Book of Mormon, things the Mormons can't teach and things the Restoration doesn't. And we're going to continue that today. Uh, The first truth we were talking about is who God is. And we're going to finish that today, but I just want to put a little capstone, a little exclamation on the first three episodes, because we have have taken some time talking about that. And yesterday, Corey... um, I was driving and thinking in the morning about the scripture you brought up quite a while ago uh, as we read the Book of Mormon through. Again, both of us were doing that. Talk to me about the scripture that talks about the Book of Mormon as the standard. Um, it's the standard. You know, this uh, whole
1: purpose of Book of, Mormon, of the Book of Mormon seems to be that it's going to go back to Israel and become the, the word, not just a word, but the word that unites them in Christ. And uh, the same promises for us Gentiles as well. Uh, the, the shame of it is that we have it, and I don't think we understand the doctrine of it, but that's maybe why we're discussing it today. But it, the promise is it will become the standard.
0: What um, There's actually a scripture. Do you have that handy? Uh, our lives need to be based on truth. And as we've discussed in this day and age, when... Um, people used to go to their grandparents or parents and ask them questions and learn from reputable sources, uh, life experience. Now, if people want to know something, they just reach out to the internet and within, you know, 0.07 seconds, they have a million answers (laughs) to verify what they want or whatever they want to believe. And so truth is very elusive. We see, especially with, with COVID and numbers on vaccines and things that there's just evidence and numbers that, just pound each other in the face and go back and forth, and and do I trust this source? We don't know. But you, to base your life, you have to have a foundation that is truth. And thankfully, the scriptures aren't aren't caught up in any political agenda. They're just sharing with us who God is and what he wants us to know about him. So you got that scripture pulled up on the standard?
1: Yeah, it's Second Nephi 12, 44 and it's probably worth reading the two verses prior to it. Behold, there shall be many at that day when I shall proceed to do a marvelous work among them that I may remember my covenants, which I have made unto the children of men, that I may set my hand again the second time to recover my people, which are of the house of Israel. So this is all prefacing with the fact that This is God's plan to recover Israel. And then it says, uh, and also that I might remember the promises which I've made to thee, Nephi, and also to thy father, that I would remember your seed. So the house of Israel, the remnant of Joseph, and that your words uh, of your seed should proceed forth out of my mouth unto your seed. So the things Nephi's writing are gonna go back to his people. And then here it is, uh, verse 44. And my words shall hiss forth unto the ends of the earth, for a standard unto my people, which are of the house of Israel.
0: A standard. Uh, I carry a baby scale and a adult scale that's both, they're both medical grade uh, because I have to weigh... Uh, my patients in the homes. And, you know, Corey, you and I fluctuate a couple pounds a week. It's no big deal. If a baby fluctuates three ounces when they only weigh five pounds, it's a big, huge deal. Mm. And so they have to be accurate. I'm amazed at the end of a year when uh, we bring them into the office and we have this this standard, this uh, little case of these gold weights that are packaged in foam, and you set them on the scale, and within a gram they're completely accurate after being banged around. Amount, <laughs> wow. Uh, the, the the huge thing is a lot of these digital scales you you stand on as an adult you know two hundred pound three hundred pounds you get in on and off of those and you can get three different weights that vary within three pounds these medical grade digital scales you can stand on that and grab a, a two gram or a or a kilogram uh, scale in your hand and it just goes up accurately with wow. these standards and so we always have to make sure that they're they're giving us the correct truth of what's really going on with the patient. Uh, and so that's a standard. That's that's how I look at what a standard is. Uh, and the Book of Mormon is given as a standard, which means we judge all other truth, we judge all other facts and data in the world about our spiritual lives, about salvation, according to what it reveals to us. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, you?
1: yeah, totally agree.
0: Well, I wanted to read, I pulled out some old uh, church books that um, most people would know that are in the Restoration, um, not the LDS side, but the RLDS side as men. This is Albert A. Smith, of course, related to Joseph Smith. He wrote a book called Restoration, a Study in Prophecy. There's a chapter on the Book of Mormon, and I wanted to read this uh, to you. It says that Come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. The Book of Mormon, here it is. The Book of Mormon is an added witness for Christ, confirming the witness of the Bible. Bishop James F. Keat has thus epitomized the purpose of the Book of Mormon. I assume that was a bishop in the RLDS Church. I've never heard that name, but he believes in the Book of Mormon. So I'm assuming it's not a Catholic bishop. (laughs) (laughs) He says he confirms uh, the purpose or he... He states that it's, number one, an additional witness that Jesus is the Christ, two, to grow together with the Bible in the confounding of false doctrine, and three, to bring to light and make clear the true points of the doctrine of Christ. What do you think about those three things, and what do you think about um, the statement that the Book of Mormon is an added witness for Christ, confirming the witness of the Bible?
1: To me, that's kind of a soft sell, uh, you know. Especially when this is going to be the standard, I don't know that um, I don't know that it's incorrect to say that, but I think it it downplays the the importance of it as a standard, uh, you know, to use the word because that's it's it's not just oh we have the Bible and then we have another testimony. It's like no we we have a way that describes God the Father the Savior. In a way that no other record does,
0: right? I believe that uh, what you said was a great. It was a great phrase, a soft sell, because it's not untrue. It, it is true that uh, the Book of Mormon is an is an added witness for Christ. But I, I would say that we've when that becomes kind of the theology, and I, I imagine back in this time when religion and Christianity was like the heart of the country. Most people would identify as Christians and there was there was quite uh fervent in their beliefs, whereas today it's like anything kinda goes yeah. and there's no there's no real uh fervor for which denomination you belong to um like there is in politics today. But when uh when this was given, they probably were trying to show that this goes along with the Bible. It doesn't contradict the Bible. It's, uh, it, it confirms what the Bible says, but when it says to grow together with the Bible in the confounding of false doctrine, I, I think we've pointed out that you need to be uh, based in the knowledge of the book of Mormon first, and that helps you understand the Bible. Um, we've, We've discussed things like being perfect being perfect like Christ that's written in the Bible and and we see what that that doesn't mean really what we would you think it means today with our language, but the Book of Mormon clears those kind of things up mm-hmm. uh, Also, Isaiah in the Bible really is clear who, Christ and God are in their relationship. That Christ is the eternal Father, but that's kind of overlooked in things. The Book of Mormon. So this is what brings me back to yesterday morning as I was thinking about this script, the scripture, the standard. I think in my mind previously I thought, well, it's going to tell me A, B, and C to D, you know, and D how to live and and what I do and and how I go about my priesthood calling and how I go about. Uh, treating others and all of these things, kind of like a moral, you know, like a little... Uh, code
1: book or something. Code book, yeah, right.
0: instruction book on how to live when it says it's the standard. And I, it just hit me yesterday morning, no, the standard is talking about is knowing who God is.
1: Exactly,
0: exactly. You know, one of the, to go along with that, uh, you consider
1: that, the majority of the Book of Mormon was written in times BC you know from 600 to the time of Jesus, as far as what's written. Now I, I know there was hundreds of millions of things that were not written in that record, but you consider that in that day, the majority of the people writing kept the law of Moses and they kept it to the best of their ability. and yet there's not one single Line of the Book of Mormon that describes a single element of keeping the Book of Mormon or keeping keeping the Law of Moses, other than when Abinadi is saying, "Hey, have you done these things? Have you done these things?" And it's like there's no instruction in that regard because they move beyond it and they move to the point of it. The point of all this was Christ. The point mm-hmm. was that the Savior would take on flesh, and it's it's not like you know there's no Book of Leviticus, for instance, in the in the Book of Mormon. There's no instruction in that regard because the whole point is to move you to see all this pointed towards Christ. You know, and I, I just think that's kind of important that it doesn't it doesn't get hung up on any of that ever mm-hmm. anywhere because it's all the higher level on who you know finding this image of God in our countenance. That's what it's trying to lead us to.
0: I like this number three. Reading out a restoration study and prophecy, the third purpose of the Book of Mormon to bring to light and make clear the true points of the doctrine of Christ. I want to. I almost well. My first thought of that was. It's very, very concise and summed up very quickly and very simply in the Book of Mormon, the doctrine of Christ. I mean, you could spend 30 seconds and come to a realization of what it is, and that's repeated several places, but it's, it's repent and come to Christ and give up your sins to know him. I mean, it's just so simple. There is not a long line of, you know, <laughs> baptized by this and be confirmed and uh, do these things. It simply lays out you you get baptized and then you're in the way and you come to Christ and, and make your whole life about him. Yeah. So if there's not a whole lot to be said about it, it's probably the most simple explanation of the doctrine of Christ summed up so simply um, yeah. that yeah. it's like it leaves, in other words, it leaves a lot of uh, gray area, not gray area. It leaves a lot of, it just leaves this vast field of what do I do now? And it's like, the holy spirit's going to guide you on your journey with me. I mean what else is there? You continually are 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 being taught by the spirit, but it's not this moral code of do a b c and d and and, mm-hmm. and so the standard when we're talking about the standard is just I think it's the standard in revealing who God is because as you pointed out, though the doctrine of Christ is summed up sometimes in just a few sentences, this is anything more or less than this is not my doctrine. Yeah. But when it's come to revealing who God is, every single major writer in the Book of Mormon talks about this.
1: Every single one.
0: And so if we say the Book of Mormon is the standard, the foundation, it is the best, most 100% accurate, most um, thorough exclamation, explanation on the face of this earth on who our God is without any doubt. Amen. Amen. And every major writer pointed that out. Exactly, yeah, and yeah. that and that should be lifted up to the world,
1: you know. That again, just saying, oh, it's another witness of Jesus. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, but you you miss the bigger point that it's, 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 it's everything. And and I I don't know.
0: I, and not so these these men writing this lived in a different time and had to do their best to try to get the message across. But if you were writing this today, the Book of Mormon, its purpose. What would you say, if you if you just gave three points, I'm putting you right on the spot there, what would you say the purpose of the Book of Mormon is today? That's excellent. And we just talked about the yeah. first one, probably. Yeah,
1: I, I would say, you know, to...
0: Reveal so, who God is. I was
1: just going to say, the first the first one, I would I, and just kind of point out, I think through major scriptures in the Book of Mormon, the, the first one comes from the first book of Nephi, chapter uh, 3, and it's the end of Nephi's vision, where it says this is the plain and precious truth paraphrasing that Jesus Christ is the father mm-hmm. and and that's that is it I mean and then that seems to be the a major point of contention within the restoration you know we, we may have been taught different ways we haven't come to this but it's like that is the first plain and precious truth to, to say that Jesus is the father um, the, the second the second point I would say is that um, to to restore the covenants that have been lost through the bible or were maybe never included to to Israel and to the remnant and to the gentiles to, to all three uh, what these promises are how we can come back and be one in Christ in in God in this you know this is extremely important um, and third i think it it tells the the pathway how all Jews and Gentiles are going to come back to Christ. And and that's a little bit different than number two, because I guess what it describes is it, it doesn't give us all the information, but it, it tells us what covenants are important to watch for in the days ahead as they become fulfilled to see this covenant with Abraham be fulfilled. And, you know, in the Bible, just to take a minute on this, in the restoration, because the inspired version carries a description of Enoch and you know his city being taken from the earth, which I believe is true, and his city which will return to earth, which I also believe is true, we take that to be the the covenant that's going to be fulfilled. But the Book of Mormon never mentions Enoch, and and there's reasons probably for that. But the point is, what it does mention is the covenant with Abraham, which is that he basically gave birth to uh, the the Hebrew nation, and he gave birth to the Gentile nation. And and in that, and they were separated early, um, the promises they return and the promises they become one in Christ, and this has never yet been fulfilled. So that covenant with Abraham is not fulfilled until Zion is established and all the Jews and all Gentiles fall down and worship at God, see eye to eye as one, you know. And that's, that's huge. So anyhow, I, I look for the Abrahamic, a, Abra, Abra, there's a way to say Abrahamic, I don't know, you know, the covenant with Abraham mm-hmm. to be fulfilled. And, and I think that's a, a third piece.
0: Sure. So, um, and... Fourth one, I would uh, yeah, as it lays out the plan of what's actually going to happen that we can see going on around us, kind of giving us a security as far as timeline and and what God's plan is, it also tells us uh, the spiritual plan and is very clear on salvation and God's work to bring us back to him. And, and so if I was talking to people in this day and age that uh, of just, you know, either there's nothing to believe in or it doesn't really matter and truth is— it's just really this time that um, everything should be accepted and you shouldn't judge anybody unless you're a person that says there is a standard, basically. So as soon yeah. as you bring a standard in, you're the one that's wrong. That's that's where we're at today. My hope to people would be there is a set of, of rules. There is a standard that tells us who our God is and that he came down to bring us back to him and that he has this beautiful plan for us in the end. You know, It does Clarify doctrine such as baptism uh, pretty clearly, and not baptizing not baptizing children, which were things that were perverted through the time through the church. Um, but as far as other types of, like I said, A, B, C, and D, and this is how you lay out how the church should operate. You know, the priesthood uh, function is, is pretty vague. Other than you know, you grab fifty people and you are ordained to this, and you teach them the doc- You teach them about Jesus. Uh, yeah the the there's there it just had there's no quorums and forums and yeah, all these other levels it's a very uh, beautiful and simple so the standard in my opinion is telling people who our god is and what he's about you uh, it's funny <laughs> i look across the table and you're very tall today because <laughs> got a new so chair. I gotta tell the just to summarize the history of the chairs. <laughs> the chairs. When we started out a podcast, we we sat and sat on the floor. Yeah, no. Indian style. Um but uh when we started out we had some office chairs that were squeaky and I got tired of trying to edit out squeaks and it was just getting to be it. So I thought well I will search for some comfortable chairs and I found these two pedestal old antique uh, purple red chairs that I thought those looked really comfortable, tall backs. We can sit back, we can relax. And so I purchased those chairs and brought them into the office and realized when we sat down that uh, we could see each other about chest high because they sat very low on the table. <laughs> and so uh, I quickly got rid of mine, but Corey kept his. He, he's a lot taller than me. Anyway.
1: You know, I I'll, up, up until now, 140-something podcasts later, I always thought, Mike's a lot taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So when we anyway, we've replaced these with a couple office chairs now that do not squeak in. Corey looks very tall today. <laughs> All that to be said, the chairs that I purchased were, I shared the experience on an earlier one. I won't go into it. But other than that, I just had a feeling that there was a reason that I found these after searching for so long. And they had been out there, and for whatever reason, I didn't come across them. Found out that the lady I bought them from was not a member of the church, but uh, had knew of the church and had moved here recently. And where she came from, she was being... Taught about the restoration gospel, for lack of a better word. And it's interesting to me that as she talked to me to hear her questions, I thought this just summarizes what the church really has become and what the old school way of thinking was. She's like, Yeah, uh, the minister, he was talking to me about uh, the Book of Mormon and how. Uh, two sticks would come together like Ezekiel prophesied about it and it came forth out of the ground and that this was a book of God. And she's like, it was really hard to understand. And I didn't quite get what, what the church was about, but you know, it was intriguing, but I want to learn more. And I thought here you have a chance to share the gospel with somebody. What would, what would be a good way to go about doing it? God, our Creator came down and took on flesh and blood. And that's what we believe to rescue you, to yeah. rescue me, and that He's going to bring us home to Him. If we want to learn about Him, if we want to um, be enticed by the Spirit and follow that, and let's let's talk about who He is and, and why He created you. And and He's
1: not laxadaisical about that. No. He's mighty
0: to save. And then and then we use the actual word to explain who He is, rather than trying to first prove that. Okay, first of all, I have to prove to you that this book is divine in nature.
1: Or I have to prove to you that all other churches were wrong and that there was this vision in a grove.
0: So that's a bad way to go about doing it. But the fact that—anyway, so I wanted to put a a capstone to who he is and the standard. I think the standard in the Book of Mormon is explaining who God is. And once we we understand that, that revelation changes us on the inside. It really does. Oh, my gosh. it's it's really interesting, Corey. Uh, just last week uh, after your class, I was talking to a gentleman. This is something you have done and I have done. You went out and got a brand new Book of Mormon Restored Covenant edition and read started reading through it, getting rid of all of your past highlights and everything just to read through and see what it says about God. Yeah. I did the same thing several years ago, um, and this this guy came up and said, I got a." I read through the Book of Mormon again. This time I just wanted to highlight everything it told me about God and who he is. And he's like, it's just like full of it. It's and he came to the same conclusion. He's like, God, you know, Jesus is is God, the eternal father. He came down and died for us. And that's the message uh, that changes people. And people are realizing this by just returning to the scriptures.
1: You know, I am going to share this in class tomorrow, but um... – I've got a list of, I'm just going to count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 16 different writers of the Book of Mormon who all say in, in their own marvelous words that Jesus is the earthly form of God. You know, God took on flesh. Where can you find that in the Bible? I mean, of, of all the different writers and writings, where can you find 16 different people who are all saying the same thing about God? I mean, it's like, Mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not written like that um and you know I don't know I for sake of time probably won't read all these but I've got I'm just amazed by this when I see how consistent it is and you know Mike I don't know what it is but I, I've received text messages and emails from various people recently basically because of class and they're all kind of saying how is it that this is just being revealed to us now and it's interesting because people have used this word revealed like, like, it's, it's a new thing. And, it, and they don't mean it's a new thing, but how is it that this understanding is just coming together for everyone? It's like these words have been in our hands for a couple hundred years. you know. Right.
0: I wanted to speak to that. Yeah, uh, go for it. You shared an email with me that uh, a listener, we won't use their name, we don't have that, but it doesn't matter, wrote to us, um, listened to the podcast one or two times ago where we talked about the golden calf of Israel and creating God in your image and how... Uh, people in the world recognize this. Goes on and on in every generation, and so we we tried to look at our culture and how things have changed and how we've taken God and kind of made Him into our image. He told you that as early as 1837, and there and there's a comparison picture of how the Book of Mormon was quickly changed the wording in it. Yeah, yeah. Speak to that. That's
1: uh, man. They they thought they were helping us out, right? Um, the, it's changed in many ways, but the, the biggest one is, these are all from First Nephi 3. Uh, the original verse reads, Behold, the virgin which thou seest is the mother of God after the manner of the flesh. That was changed in 1837 or later editions to say, Behold, the virgin that thou seest is the mother of the Son of God after the manner of the flesh. And I'm going to stop right there. What was inserted was the Son of God in the later editions. The original didn't say that. It said the Mother of God. Now, if a Book of Mormon reader went to Mosiah 8, 28, 29, in those verses, and read the actual definition for the Son of, and you understood that Son of means God takes on flesh, it's not incorrect to say that. But it didn't say that. It said the Mother of God. And, and it's like, Let's, and the whole, well, I can't comment on why it was changed. I have my reasons of belief, but nevertheless, you know, it, it's not wrong, but why was it changed? There's, a, there's another one. I'm going to read four verses, and they're all from 1 Nephi 3. And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, even the Eternal Father. That was changed to say, Behold the Lamb of God, even the Son of the Eternal Father. The third one. And behold, I, I beheld the Lamb of God, and he was taken by the people. Yea, the everlasting God was judged of the world. And of course, that was softened to say, uh, I beheld the Lamb of God, and he was taken by the people. Yea, the Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world. And finally, the, the Lamb of God is the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world. And that in context is is the verse where it says "and and this plain and precious truth is going to come to the Gentiles to teach them that the Lamb of God is the Eternal Father. And, of course, this was changed to that the Lamb of God is the Son of the Eternal Father.
0: And And that, um, like you said, if if you read through the Book of Mormon, it, it does explain why he was called the Son of God, but this makes it very incongruous and just clutters it and takes away the simplicity that every single writer was trying to get across the point that they were... We're making due to their revealed knowledge. Yeah. And,
1: and the the sad part of it is when people like like last week in class, a woman shared very heartfelt, um, you know, it's like, I, I want to believe this, but I was just taught differently. Well, one of the reasons you were taught differently is because the word was changed. You know, mm-hmm. And the Word was changed in the Bible in many ways, but the Word was even changed in the Book of Mormon. Now, who did us that favor?
0: You know, I real, when the Restored Covenant edition came out that Ray Treat and others worked on just for, put hours and hours in, I thought that they were going back to the original handwritten translation of the Book of Mormon that was taken to the printer. I'd never, I didn't realize that it was actually printed correctly as it was written in 18 uh, when it first came out um and that the as early as 1837 it had been changed i thought that the printer changed it when he read it like oh it's the son of god not that no no it was actually printed the first versions with you, you can find the replicas with no chapter and verse and you just reading it as a book was was correct but as little as seven years later the reprint and i thought that that Happened, like, in uh, 1966 or mm-hmm. 1908 or... Yes, I, I thought it was a 1908. Well, thing. I knew it was 1908 because I it's, so grew it's up like, with that one.
1: Right, but it's like, you know, we never had a chance, you know. I mean, our generation mm-hmm. it is, is like, you know, within, within a matter of just a couple of years, they were already changing these things, and and it's like, who... Who had that authority? You know, it's like they didn't, but they thought they must have thought somehow, oh, Joseph must have made an error. This sounds too Catholic or something. Who knows? You know, I don't even want to use that word Catholic in this because it's not about that. And and it's not too Catholic. It's the truth that Jesus was God in the flesh. That's the eternal truth that was shown to the brother of Jared. And so, this whole um, undoing of this idea was undoing this major teaching that God gave us so we wouldn't stumble.
0: And uh, Corey, if an angel came to you and told you something, would you want to have like that recorded and audio taped and written down exactly as it was said, if it was an angel from heaven? Yeah, you'd think, I want to get this right. Well, First Nephi three sixty-two says, And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Eternal Father. So what authority do we get this description from? Yeah. An angel of God. And, and so one person wrote this onto plates. Those plates were put in the ground, and those plates came forth and were translated one time. I, I think that's a pretty—you uh, don't find much more in history um, that is that vetted or—, or um, Easily explained as how it came forth through hardly you know not not through a bunch of hands of men, but no. really from the angel to the plates to the ground to a man to us. The um the other scriptures written in that same chapter and you you read part of them. but well, Let's just read this because we saw I think we see this and I want to I want to go back to this email that the reader sent. But in verse one ninety two and one ninety three of First Nephi three, it says, "And the angel spoke unto me, saying." these last records which thou hast seen among the Gentiles shall establish the truth of the first, which are of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, and shall make known the plain and precious things which have been taken away from them. Now if we go back to um, restoration of study and prophecy and read about the Book of Mormon, where it says it's an added witness that Jesus is the Christ to grow together with the Bible in the confounding of the false doctrine, what does the Book of Mormon Say right like, here, it says, "This shall establish the truth, truth of the first, and shall make known plain and precious things which have been taken away from them."
1: Exactly, it's like it's gonna, it's gonna put it in order. It's not just adding to it.
0: It says the Book of Mormon will, will, will basically put back to our knowledge, give back to our knowledge, plain and and precious things. When you say the word "precious" in the scriptures, plain and precious things. Pay attention, which have been taken away from the Word of God. So we're not just we're, gonna, uh, we're not just lifting up the Bible to support it. It's like we're, we're fixing those things that through many hands of men through the ages have been taken out uh, and restoring them, giving exactly. them plain and precious things. Uh, and then 93, 193 says, shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and people that the Lamb of God is the eternal Father and the Savior of the world and that all men must come unto him or they cannot be saved. And there is the, if you want one verse to share with people as you start, uh, people that may want to ask, what what do I need to know about God? What do I need? To, right there, exactly. That He is the Savior of the world. Yeah. There's there's no
1: dumbing this down, and 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 then there's also no. Um, you can't lose the respect for God, and even in saying that word, it's a it's an understatement. I mean. He is perfect, and he is the authority. And, oh, you know, we teach Jesus as our best friend and all that. I mean, he did all that for us, but God the Father is is mighty and powerful. You know, he's sovereign, and he rules over all, and he's never wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and this this is such a greater image of God than we can find anywhere else.
0: But what does the Book of Mormon also say? And I think in 3 Nephi 7 or not, uh, anyway, it, let me read the verse it's verse 34. I didn't write down the book. You probably know it. But it says, and we saw this spirit. Even last week, we've seen the spirit over and over. And I want to talk to this, getting back to the email that you received. It says, and thus commandeth the Father that I should say unto you, at that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel and shall reject the fullness of my gospel and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations, you know, filled with all types of lies, deceits, mischiefs, hypocrisy, murders, priestcrafts, whoredoms, secret abominations. They shall do these things and reject the fullness of my gospel. Behold, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them, and I will take it to my people, house of Israel. So I think as a as a church culture, we've looked at the world rejecting the Book of Mormon as a divine book, perhaps, and that because they do that, there's going to be vengeance and fire on them, and God will you know, quit dealing with us and go back to Israel. I think just as much as, if not more, it's that spirit of those who accept the book as divine, but then refuse to accept what it says and twist it and rest it and hold people captive, which is what I—this reader said that, he, that they'd been labeled a heretic through the years for pointing out that the were simple words had been changed. A heretic. Can you, but look, I want to think about this. Our culture, this is absolutely true, right? Our faith culture we've grown up in. Um, when you bring these things up, this, this we see this scripture in, in third Nephi being fulfilled. The Gentiles will reject the plainness and the fullness of the gospel. Uh, that people get mad. Uh, they, they anger walk, comes they, out. They walk out. They walk out of, service or class when you try to present the truth. And, and what they do is hold captive those people that, that want to either study or understand or talk about what the, what the Scripture is saying, even to the point that that you know, ministers and pastors and the powers that be refuse to allow these things to be discussed for the sake of camaraderie and lack of contention. Yeah, and so there is this hijacking of the gospel based on um, just aggressive attitude, and we're, and we don't want to debate, we don't want to have any division, and so we will just present the story that's always been there, or we will will ignore the fact that we've perverted the doctrine of Christ for the sake of um, unity or lack of contention,
1: which is not unity, and and that's the the you know lulls us to sleep that somehow okay, well if we're not arguing over something then i guess we're okay and it's like you know we all we all kind of we we accept this lower standard of 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 untruth and that's rejecting the fullness
0: but uh since Corey, we've we've been talking about these things on air and we're not in a church service or anything and so but since we've been been discussing these things how many people have you heard from or have received email or text or in person saying hey I can't believe you guys said have. I remember the, oh my the, gosh. the scholar, the lady, sitting across from me and just pounds the table. Yes, I've always believed that. <laughs> and I've been, you know, you're the first.
1: I, I've been overwhelmed by people. I can't get out of church and I don't say this like, you know, it's like a rock star type thing. But it's like everyone wants to come up and say, oh, my gosh, I've been waiting for this. You know, this is amazing. I've, I've always believed this. This is so true. Truth
0: <laughs> sets us free and the holy spirit within us i think resounds when the truth is spoken in the word that he that it gave it just it does something to the soul for those who are honestly seeking and it's this freeing joyful uh, release of oh my gosh let's talk about who god is let's let's can we just worship who he is and 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 let that be a part of our life and change us and it it so, when we always I like to talk about why is this important. Why does this... I was just going to ask you that.
1: What why is it, why is this important to know? Why is it not just a an academic study subject?
0: Yeah, I could I can only say it is important and th- truth and things that matter become more centralized in my heart, and th- and other things just seem to become apparent that they're not truth and they have nothing to do with salvation or the kingdom of god they are detours and distractions yeah i can give that as my personal testimony over the last several months and really since we've we've spent several weeks on just one truth that is not being taught uh, and probably the most important things that i saw before and spent time on before. It's like, I'm not even going to waste time trying to understand that. It's, it's just so far removed from this gospel that I see that it was just a waste of my time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I feel like it's, you know, you can take two or three or more paths <laughs> through the woods, but if you don't get your first step onto the right path and you take the wrong path, well, you can go a long way down that path but you're not going to head to the right direction until you back up and take that first step onto the right path. The first step on the right path is to know that the Lamb of God is the eternal Father and Savior of the world. When you know that, all the rest of everything on salvation and the freedom and all that it brings falls into place. And these other things just become this cluttered mess of— detailed explanations that men who have spent their lives in the church really can't tell you straight, you know, and, 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 and all these other things. And it's like the plan becomes so simple and so plain that, and, and for some, then that becomes like, well, it can't be true if it's that easy, you know, but it's yet, but yet it
0: is. It's, it's the fulfillment of, and the, the vision of Lehi being lived out the calling of every member of the body of Christ partaking of the tree of life, that fruit that is white and pure and sweet above all else, letting it fill your soul and then wanting to share it with others.
1: Yeah. And to know there's only one tree, you know,
0: and that's part of that fruit uh, is having who God is revealed to you. His Mm -hmm. great work that all men were lost and then all men were going to be brought back to him. And that's going to lead us into our next set of truths that aren't being taught. But that, um, that thing that event of seeing god for who he is is able to change us on the inside and and the road marker of you know whether i'm achieving victory or whether i'm on the right path is the love of the brethren will increase mm-hmm. and, and our love for one another will increase our love for the world will increase as we see god for who he is and this great work that he did that's that's huge. That's all there is in life. Is, is to understand God's love for you and to love others as he loves you. That's that's our, our calling and we you know, how do we do that when we've got a false uh, you know, a golden calf in front of us? Exactly. We exactly. can't.
1: Yeah, we we just can't.
0: So there really is it, it does have to go beyond, well, this is a debate over how we see him. No, there's a purpose there. It's calling the changing of the human heart. And that's <laughs> why why would God write a book? To restore plain and precious truths, so that we wouldn't stumble in the last days, and have every single writer explain, I want you to know who I am, because you don't need a set of laws and moral codes and everything. As you come to know who I am, you will be in my image. You you will be acting like I am. Your your spirit will will bring you to where you need to be.
1: You know, it might be interesting to share this kind of as we wind down, um, just just some of these statements, and they start with Lehi. Um, well, if you're listening and you hear this before uh, Living Hope class tomorrow, you'll get this again. But you know, Lehi begins teaching in Second Nephi one twenty-three. The day will come that they will reject the Holy One of Israel, the true Messiah, their Redeemer, and their God. You know, he he teaches that. And in Nephi, we've already read from Nephi in First Nephi three and Second Nephi seven that the day cometh that uh, Thus saith the Lord God, when the day cometh that they shall believe in me, that I am Christ, you know that that I have covenanted with their fathers. God saying that when they believe that I am Christ, you know this is not just when it's not saying when they believe I have a son, you know it's saying when they see that I'm the Savior, you know that's when the things change for the Jews. In Second Nephi eleven, Nephi writes, as I spake concerning the convincing of the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, it must needs be that. The Gentiles believe also that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. Um, you know, Nephi writes this. Jacob writes about God being the Holy One of Israel. Um, he comes into the world, the holy one, the holiness of our God. He comes into the world that he might save all men if they will hearken to his voice. Amalekite Writes, he said, I would that you would come unto Christ, which is the Holy One of Israel, and partake of his salvation and the power of his, of his redemption. Um, King Benjamin says, the, With power, the Lord omnipotent who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity, shall come down from heaven among the children of men. And shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay. I think that's probably my favorite. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the Lord God omnipotent, you know, who was from all eternity, is going to take on flesh. I mean, how much more powerfully can you say it? How much more simply can you say it? Yeah. You know, and and they they go on. I mean, there's several of these. I'm not going to read them all, but you know, maybe just this one from King Limhi. He summarizes why Benadai was killed, and he says he was killed because he saith unto them that Christ was the God, the father of all things. And that he said that he should take upon him the image of man. And it should be the image after which man was created in the beginning. Or in other words, he said that man was created after the image of God and that God should come down among the children of men and take upon him flesh and blood.
0: Well, brother, this theme is going to pop up as we go through the other uh, 20 truths that, that, um, mm-hmm that we need to be teaching. Uh, and so we'll, we'll speak more to it. I thought today that we, w- we could just put a capstone at the first five or ten minutes of the show and then move on to the next truth. But <laughs> here we are. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll bring this one to a close, and then next week we'll start on truth uh, number three, which is um, that complete removal of sin by the atonement. That's a truth. Complete removal of sin by the atonement. We're gonna see how the Mormons can't teach this and that um perhaps we are not teaching it the way the scriptures um show, or we put a butt sandwich on the end, yeah. which is but you need your we need to do this. Ching. So we'll we'll take that. Um we'll take that next week. Uh, the rule of works, the role of works and how we've perverted that and truth number three complete removal of sin by the atonement, and why that's such an important uh, concept to, to get across. All of this, Corey, ties into salvation. Um, I, I, th- I don't know if I shared this recently, but um, talking with a man very well-versed in the scriptures, uh, whose dad was a missionary, who he went on many missionary um, classes and homes and taught the plan of salvation as we know it, or as the church has taught it. And um and then reading the word and listening to some of the things we're discussing is like, well this isn't really coinciding with that. And he's like, I was talking to a non member the other day and we got to eternal life and I just I didn't know how to what was it was. <laughs> I didn't know how to, to describe this, this it. This man and, couldn't describe it well, after all these years. And and I said, Well isn't that exactly what that's exactly the point. We we as a people can't Take the message of hope to the world because uh, we're trying to reconcile something that is unreconcilable, that is tradition with the scriptures. Exactly, yeah. And that's where you end up, this convoluted mess that you can't completely... Or surely uh, give hope to someone else when you're trying to explain God's purpose for them. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna; those things always are at the end of why is it important to see God as He is? Because as you see Him, who He is, mm-hmm. you can't you can't accept the common um, theology of eternal life as it's been taught in this culture. So wow. we'll uh, we'll get there, and uh, we thank you all for listening. Uh, Corey, you got anything might... else to add to the? Very no, moment?
1: I just just love talking about this and you know, praising our Savior and just uh, remember, as we go along, we are all just walking
0: each other home. All right, till next time. Music earlier, <laughs> so we don't sit here for five minutes and listen to the rest of the song. I always forget. I get so excited yeah. wrapping up. It's all good.
1: I never get tired of that song.